And I will shamelessly go to the Old Testament every chance I get. So we're doing that. A lesson from the Old Testament. This is just for context. We're going to read part of Deuteronomy 7. We aren't. I can read it. That's fine. This is God speaking to his people right before they go and inherit the land, okay? For you are a people holy to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. It is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And he repays to their face those who hate him. Ooh. By destroying them. You will not be slack, or he will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. Yes, sir, I'm sure they replied. And then he says this this is a word of encouragement. He's just said, I'm amazingly awesome. I picked you because I love you. I didn't pick you for any other reason. I chose you. I love you so much. That's why you're going to succeed. Okay? But, you know, bear in mind that I expect you to obey me, okay? And now you're going to be afraid when you go and face these people, because they're tough. So he says this. If you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be in dread of them. In other words, ignore that feeling. Do not fear them. For the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. And like, all right, he's going to do all the work. Not so fast. Last verse. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You may not make an end of them at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. Pause. What in the heck? <laughs> what? Like, you're so great and awesome, like, no one can say it against you, and you repay people to your face, but seriously? Like, why can't you just, like, drive out the wild animals too? Like, you're promising all this stuff. I actually have an answer for that. I think that's because that's our job from the creation mandate. If you go back in Genesis 1 and 2, God asks us to take a part in what's going on. We share in the work. But I think there's other reasons too. But first, let's understand the parallels here, okay? Israel was chosen by grace. They didn't earn it. It's the same for us. Israel was given a territory and told to claim it. It's the same for us. Territory is the whole world. Jesus said, go into the whole earth and make disciples, okay? We are doing this in a vastly different way than they did then. But the mission is oddly similar. This is the territory. It's slightly expanded. It's the whole world. Now I expect you to go. It's the same. And although the land was theirs, it was really theirs when God said it's yours, right? Dangers still lurked. And that's the same for us too. So we're going to talk about what some of those dangers were. But let's talk about this last verse. Lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. Wild beasts? Really? Well, this is not light. This isn't a passing concern. This is the image, right? There's this whole huge country full of cities and full of people. 
And if I snap my fingers and all the people disappear, you know, it's, it's going to be rough. You're going to have lions and bears and jackals and wolves and all kinds of stuff hiding out in there. And they will literally kill you. And the image here is that the wild animals will beat them to the punch. They'll be waiting for them. And there will be too few Israelites to resist them. Look at this reiteration. This is in Exodus 23, 29 to 30. God says the same thing and then says, you'll do it little by little until you become fruitful and inherit the land. See, God's solution is clear. Stick together. Go in large groups. Don't go by yourself because lone sheep would literally be wolf food. And Israel is frequently called the flock of of God. God is called their shepherd and he is their sheep. So in this literal case, if you go out there by yourself, you're probably going to get eaten alive. That's bad. So stick together, go in large groups. How does that relate to us? Well, we have plenty of wild beasts in the New Testament that are actually symbolic, but they are waiting to derail your faith, to take you out. And we're supposed to be wary of those things. So we're going to talk about three. We're going to talk about wolves, lions, and a dragon that are all out there in the land that we're supposed to take. And we're going to talk about how a lone sheep is really no match for them. And then we're going to appreciate some of the benefits to not being a lone sheep. Because honestly, if I was speaking to lone sheep, I'd be speaking to an empty room because you wouldn't be here in church. This isn't usually where the lone sheep hang out. So I know who I'm speaking to, I hope. Let's look at the first wolf, okay? This is from Matthew 7, and uh, I'm going to read Matthew 7, 13 to 15, but I'll read Matthew 15 first. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And that's usually the start of the passage. If you busted out your Bible and looked at it, it would have that as the first line with a new heading called false prophets, okay? And then it would talk about discerning false prophets, and then there would be a new heading towards the bottom of Matthew 7, 21 to 23, where it talks about not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, even though they say we do things like prophesy in your name. There were no headings in the original. And I think it's very possible that this was one fluid thought for Jesus starting at 13. I think it might have sounded like this. I can't prove it, but I suspect. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Some notes. One of the wolves we need to watch out for that are trying to pick you off are people that really claim to hear from God, and they don't. It was the same in the Old Testament. It's the same now. Test people. Doesn't matter if they're using the right lingo. It might not be right. Second, these wolves will try to fit in as best as they can, but ultimately they'll stick out if you're looking for them. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They want you to think they're sheep. I'm going to add a point. They might even think they're sheep, but they're wolves. And here's the third point, and this is the Anthony Theory version But if you read 13 and 14 before it, the falseness that they're giving you might be an easier road or, quote-unquote, more inclusive message. And Jesus is like, watch it out. 
The way is narrow. Don't believe the people that say it's actually wide. I'm trying to help you guys find the right path. So that's, that's part of the description of what a wolf might be. And they are out there. Has anybody met anybody like this? Like, don't name names. I saw a hand in the back. Amen. It's no fun. Here's another one. Oh, you were doing so good. Don't betray me now. We can, we can get through this. Yes. This is another one. This is from Acts, okay? Here's the context of this. Paul knows he's going to Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem, bad news. He doesn't know what the bad news is. He's prepared to die, but he knows this. He's not going back to Asia. He's not going back to his missionary communities that he started. So he gathers all the elders from Ephesus, and he has them meet in a room, and he gives them a big, long speech that basically says, guys, you know as well as I do, I told you everything. I did the best I could. I'm not coming back. It's up to you to keep things in order. This is a selection from that speech. Paul says, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds. Somebody say shepherd. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Because I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, Men will arise, distort the truth, in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Here's another description of the wolves that are waiting to take the sheep out, okay? They distort the truth on purpose. And when do they do that? They do it after the solid authority leaves. Paul says, after I'm gone. Paul is the big dog on the porch. And Paul knows he's not coming back. And he knows that after they leave, these people are going to come in and try to fill the power gap. You know, they're going to fill the vacuum with distorted truth. And they're going to do it because they see their opportunity to get a following. They want followers. Man, that, that's bad. That's wolfish. So be on your lookout for that. If the pastor is going to be away unexpectedly for six months and somebody just really wants to run the show, I don't know. I'm just saying when I was at school, they told me, beware of the people that meet you at the train. In other words, beware of the people that are, you know, all smiles and they, they really just want to help and be your best buddy right from the beginning. It's like, they're not, they might not be bad people, but they might be people maybe like this. You just need to have your eyes open. You need to be on your guard. Third one for wolves. Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples. And this is a weird one. Jesus says this. I'm going to mix up Two chunks in one speech, beginning and the end, okay? I'm going to read Matthew 10, 5, and 6, and then 16 and 17. And when you squish them together, it's odd. Here's why. Jesus sent up the, the 12 with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any other town in the Samaritan, of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Are they sheep or wolves? Go to the lost sheep of Israel, but know that I'm sending, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard against wolves. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. This is a strange truth. The very people we're sent to, the people we're supposed to love, the people that we want to express Jesus to, we want to see them come into the church, they might end up being wolves too. 
without warning, you know? And I didn't know a better way to illustrate this than with the classic example that is, oh, oh yeah, it's coming. Who's, who knows this? Huh? Come on, do it. Oh, we're, oh yes. Sheep and wolf. Sheep and wolf. Huh? What movie? Anybody? The Matrix. Thank you. I've got what, how, one. Oh, excellent. Oh, it does. That's too bad. It's like, I felt like I was getting old. But yeah, we need to be aware. So to recap wolves, people that want a following, that distort the truth, that claim to speak for God, maybe they proclaim an easier message, maybe they're taking advantage of an authority gap, you know, and they're stepping in. All of these are warning signs. We need to be on the lookout. Is this, are, is it, are you really a sheep or is that a coat? Okay, we need to be on our lookout for wolves. Next beast, lions. We probably all know this verse. It's, you know, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Very interesting. This is written to the elders. He says, the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds. Somebody say, be shepherds. Of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to. And then he gives them some other regulations. And he says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. This is not as cut and dry as we think. This does not just mean that only the devil is lion-like. For a few reasons. One, yes, the lion is representative of the devil, but this word can also refer to people knowingly or unknowingly sided with the devil. From the Blue Letter Bible app, Diablos is metaphorically used to apply to a man who by opposing the cause of God may be said to act the part of the devil or to side with him. Jesus was at the, at the Last Supper and he said, I picked you guys, but one of you is a devil. Right? He said to the Pharisees, you're not sons of Abraham like you think. You're sons of the devil. That's not just words. This is a powerful, powerful word and it's an adjective not a noun. It means prone to slander or slanderous or accusing falsely. A calumniator. If you know what that word means, you are better than me. I had to look it up. Surprising? Here's what it means. To make false and malicious statements about. To slander. Man, that's coming up a lot. False accuser or slanderer. That's a lot of slander. That's a lot of mudslinging, right? That's a lot of accusation. That's a lot of false malicious talk just to be malicious for malicious sake, okay? And it's not as uncommon as I wish it was. Thayer's Greek lexicon says this about the word. Among other things, it can refer to men who resemble the devil in mind and will. So I worked at Walmart for 10 years, very long years. When I first started out, they gave me a department. I had this guy working in my department. He was old, mean, bitter, and negative. You just did not want to talk to this guy for longer than two minutes. He had like flat, sharp eyes. 
And everything was just like complaint, accusation. It was, it was this, slander, malicious. He was suing the company so they couldn't fire him. And he enjoyed not working. He enjoyed not doing what he was told. And when I would tell him to do something, he would tell me, I'm his manager, he would say, you're not my boss. I would say, yes, I am your boss. And he's like, no, you're not. I work for store manager so-and-so. So we had an assistant manager come, and I'm like, he says I'm not his boss. And the assistant manager said, yes, he is. And he said, you're not my boss either. I'm like, well, yes, I am your boss. I'm the assistant manager. I work. He's like, no, man, I work for the store manager. I work for store manager. I forget his name. Store manager handled it. He's like, do it. I'm your boss. He's like, I work for Sam Walton. Sam Walton is my boss. You can't. And he knew he was untouchable, right? Because he was in process of legal proceedings. But the point is, he didn't really even work for Sam Walton, did he? No, he didn't work for anybody. You ever meet Christians that just reject all authority except Jesus? You know, if Jesus came down in the flesh, you know what he'd say? I'm telling you as your authority, get under a human authority structure. Just saying. I'm sorry. Tangent. Is that well received? Somebody say amen or no? Amen. All right, good. So the devil and people like this are lions. David Guzik says this on this passage. This is interesting. The outlook on this whole passage in St. Peter is it's on the whole conflict of the saints. St. Peter is writing about what's going on in the church in general. Everybody, not just an individual. It is seen as one fight. No soul is fighting alone. And each one is at once supporting and supported by all the rest. In fact, I'll say at this point that every passage I've read tonight was written to or spoken to a group. Often to the leaders. And the leaders are called what? Shepherds. Shepherds. And their job is to do what? Shepherd. Shepherd, which means taking care of the sheep. But there's one more beast we have to watch out for that's looking to take us out. Lone sheep doesn't stand a chance. And we know this from Revelation 12, and I won't read the whole passage. But if you open up Revelation 12, one of the most striking images in the whole Bible waits for you. And it's basically a, a heavenly version of the Christmas story. You know, the devil is portrayed as a giant red dragon, and, you know, there's a woman giving birth to a son. The dragon can't consume the child. War breaks out in heaven. And, you know, Michael and his angels fight against the devil and his angels. And the dragon is cast down to earth with his army. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil. Man, he was hurled to earth and his angels with him. And I love the next line. It's a poem. It says, therefore rejoice, you heavens. Like, be glad, he's not here anymore. But, woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury, and he knows his time is short. And then it talks about the woman in the parable earlier. And it says, the dragon was enraged at the woman, and he couldn't reach her. So he went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. The dragon we have to face really is the devil himself who is real and his army. And you know what they want? They know now that God is unbeatable. He can't be stopped. But they have one way to still throw a wrench in the works and cause him pain, and that's to hurt his kids. And that's us. He's furious. He's panicked. He knows his time is short. And we are sheep. 
Now, I'm going to submit to you that this is the real and dark power behind all of the dark powers in the world, whether they know it or not. And that on the best day, the best of us could probably take a wolf. It's, it has to have been done in history. You know, some total tough guy with the best coat ever for the rest of his life. You know? In the Bible, there's this guy named Benaiah, my favorite Bible character. He kills a lion by himself. It can be done. But none of us could take a dragon. Nobody. So everything else is irrelevant after this point. Does a lone sheep have a chance? Not a chance. Not a chance in the world. So we fight together or we get devoured alone. I, was, I think that's just so poetically simple. I love it. Fight together or be eaten alone. I'm not going to read all of this from Hebrews 10. But this says... Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Encourage one another. The writer of Hebrews says, look, this is what you guys need to do. And I highlighted all the let us and the we's. He says, hold on swervingly. Consider how to encourage one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together. Encourage one another. Then later he says, you stood side by side with people that were mistreated. You suffered along with those in prison. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. You knew that you had better possessions. So don't throw away your confidence. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. The main point of this is that they're saying encourage each other, stick together, lift each other up. Remember what David Guzik said about 1 Peter? Everybody's fighting together. No one is fighting alone. We're all supported by and supporting everyone else. This is the way it's supposed to be. You are not supposed to be a lone sheep. Never supposed to work that way. In fact, when the one leaves the 99, the shepherd goes and drags it back. He doesn't go and say, I affirm your desire to be a sheep over here, away from all of the other sheep. He knocks it on the head. I don't know, that's my own interpretation. That's what he did for me, praise the Lord. And then he... (laughs) drags you unconscious and drooling back to the fold, and you wake up grateful, like Bill Cosby, and you eat dirt, and we were grateful. <laughs> we're not supposed to be alone. Alone sheep is wolf food because things will be hard enough as a community. Things will be hard enough as a community. We need each other. We can't make it by ourselves. Without the church, you might not even know you've been picked off. You might have wolfish tendencies developing and no mirror to show you. And you'll be listening for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is saying, find a church. I'm like, oh, that can't be God. No, I'm supposed to be out here doing my own thing. If you go it alone, if you decide I'm going to follow God and I don't need a community, you're essentially saying, I am wolf, lion, and dragon proof. I know if I'm turning into a wolf, lion, or dragon, and I forfeit the support, protection, and encouragement of a Christian community. But you also forfeit something else, that in my experience, people that tend to be lone sheep, they don't think this is a blessing. But it's a real blessing if you believe that you are a sheep in a flock of sheep. They forfeit a shepherd. Do you know what a shepherd does? A shepherd sees the wolf coming or the lion coming and runs to meet it and gets between it and the sheep. A shepherd says, you sheep stay safe. I've got this stick and faith in the Lord and I'm going to take care of this because it's my duty. 
A shepherd would rather die than see his sheep die. A shepherd will protect. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The shepherds that are called to shepherd the flock of God should have the same attitude. I care about them. I want the best for them. So nobody should want to be a lone sheep. The system isn't designed that way. So, why church? Well, because getting eaten alive isn't a viable option. At least not for me. I don't prefer that. And that really is the conclusion today. So, I will recap. Beware of wolves. Beware of lions. There's a real dragon. Stick together. Fight together. And trust the shepherd to take care of us. Does that sound good? Amen. Guys, let's pray.